entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. The show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builder Show, and along with my executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Let me tell you my super objective in being with you today. I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders. That's you, by the way, so you can inspire others. My guest with me today is Lindsay Peterson, and Lindsay is coming back for an encore presentation. Lindsay, welcome back to the Business Builder Show. Thanks, Marty. It's so good to be here with you. Yeah, we did an interview a few weeks ago. Well, I'll be exact. It was released, let me see here, May 22nd, 27th, 2019. Uh, I suggest, folks, that you listen to that as well as this interview. Maybe that one first because we're kind of going going to go in order you can find that interview on the Marty Wolf Business Solutions website. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Just look for Business Builder Show and then look for Lindsay's show, and you will hear all about it. So so this may be the first time they're hearing it, so let me do a little intro, Lindsay, okay? Yes, please do. Lindsay is a brand strategist and leadership coach who views brand as a blend of science, intuition, behavioral economics, and ancient storytelling. Lindsay Peterson developed the ironclad method while building brands with companies such as Starbucks, Clorox, and many others. And our conversation in the first time we had a a conversation was talking about her book, and it's going to continue today. Her book title is Forging an Ironclad Brand, A Leader's Guide by, again, Lindsay Peterson. So, Lindsay Let's kind of recap uh, the first time that we chatted, and then we'll hit a couple of high points. First of all, what I asked you the first time I'd like for you to answer again is forging an ironclad brand, ironclad brand, a leader's guide. Why a leader's guide? What's that about? Why do you want people to, to know that? Yes. The leader is the person in the organization who has the greatest ability to model and um, use the brand as a beacon. Mm -hmm. Um, And because brand is really a customer reflection of the business strategy, Mm -hmm. the leader is really the only one who can authentically be the owner of the brand. So if, if, if the leader creates the brand and embraces the brand and is embodying the brand with everything that he or she is doing, then that is what's going to create the most value and the most credibility for employees and for customers. So this is in in some ways, this is this is not typical because a lot of times brand is delegated to marketing. Mm -hmm. And I contend that if brand is delegated to marketing, then the organization is really missing out on most of the power of brand. Marketing mm-hmm. does use brand, but so does anybody in the company who is affecting the customer experience. 
So the leader should lead. Hmm. Yes. Interesting concept there, you know? Okay. So again, for clarity's sake, your definition of a brand strategy. Tell me that. Yes. Yes. So, so a brand first, a brand is what you stand for in the mind of your customer. So it's the thing, the meaning that you own to your customer. Mm -hmm. A brand strategy is the deliberate exercise of identifying what that meaning is. Mm. What is that thing that you will stand for in the, in the mind of your customer? So brand's what you stand for. Brand strategy is the exercise to define that. Well, we're doing a good job recapping the first, uh, the first discussion. So one last question. I, I had a hard time saying that. I still have a hard time saying this. Uncommon denominator. Do you talk about that in your book? Explain what that is because that ties into our further discussion today. Yes, yes, sure. So the uncommon denominator is the thing that your company uniquely brings to your customer who really wants that thing that you bring. Mm -hmm. So it's the overlap of what your customer wants, what you as a company are good at bringing to that customer, and what nobody else can bring to that customer. So it's the um, it's the most fertile uh, positioning territories um, that your brand can spring from, uh, so that it's not it's not bringing um, to your customer something that others are bringing as well. It's bringing something that only you can bring. I'm glad you said the. You corrected me the last time we're together, and I'm glad you did because I've shared this with many people. I said something like, well, to be the best in class, or I said something like that. And you said, yeah, Marty, you were nice to me. <laughs> you said, yeah, Marty, yeah, kind of it. But really what we want people to think about is to be the only one in that category, the only one in that space. That's the way you want customers to think of you, Correct. Yes, that's right. So the way that you can create the most value for your company and the most value for your customer is to bring something that only you can bring. And um, it's it's really common, maybe even more common than, than not, for a brand positioning to strive for being the best at something, the right. best uh, candy bar, um, you know, the fastest bike, um, the best at something. But Unless you're, you know, 10x better, um, then you're really only creating these little tiny incremental, almost petty um, gaps between you and your competitor. So instead, strive to be the only one who can bring this one thing. And that is something that's in your uncommon denominator. This one thing, you're the only one who can bring that. And when you do that, you really don't have any competitors. Mm. Um, So you're 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 kind of distancing yourself from a competitive or price-driven conversation to begin with when you're the only one who brings a given thing. But you have to do the work to mm. get really crisp on what that one thing is. Wow, what a great lesson. So my guest is Lindsay Peterson. Her last name is spelled P-E-D-E-R-S-E-N. P-E-D-E-R-S-E-N. First name's Lindsay Her book is Forging an Ironclad Brand. So since this is the second show, the continuation, 
We're going to get into some real criteria for building an ironclad brand strategy. And in the book, you have, let's see, nine criteria. Let's talk about those if you're okay with that. Yes, I would love to. Go. So let, let's see. So the, the the background on this and my developing criteria uh, for an ironclad brand is that in many people's heads, when they think of brand, they think of something squishy and um, subjective and amorphous and maybe something that only creative people do. Mm. And what you see when you look at the most value creating brands in the world is that they're actually not squishy at all. Mm. Um, They have these elements in common that are far from squishy. Um, So I, I codified what are those qualities and I'll give them to you now. So there are nine criteria that when present together, so you need all of these, not just one or two of them, when present together, you create the most value creating brand and therefore the most value creating business. Um, So the first criterion is that it is big. Number one is that it's big, that your brand promise is big enough to matter, that it's that it's something in your customer's head that is meaningful and um, truly makes a difference to that person. So number one is it's big and meaningful. Number two is that it's narrow. It's narrow enough that you can own it. So this gets to that idea of only. Mm -hmm. Um, So while your brand positioning is big enough to matter, according to criterion number one, it's also narrow enough that you dominate it, so that you own, where you're not just better, but that you're different, that you're only. Number three is that it uses your lopsided advantage. I, I call this asymmetrical. So you promise and deliver from your place of dramatically asymmetrical strength. So your your positioning pinpoints precisely what only you can bring to your customer that others can't copy, where you just have this unfair advantage. Number four is empathetic. So your brand addresses a deeply relevant and meaningful need in the life of your customer and that it has, it truly has your customer's interest at heart, Mm -hmm. that you're all about what's in it for my customer, that you genuinely care about them and are seeking to serve them. Number five is optimally distinct. So optimally distinct is this balance between something that's familiar and recognizable to your target audience, but it's also novel Mm. so that it sparks intrigue. So familiarity gets you into their head, but novelty attracts their attention Hmm. and intrigue. Hmm. And number six, and Marty, stop me at any time if I'm going too quickly. I'm I'm, I'm totally engaged. I'm writing down notes, actually. Keep going. Oh, good, good, good. Okay. (laughs) Number six is functional and emotional. So An ironclad brand serves the customer on both a functional and an emotional level. It's at this intersection of their heart and the mind. 
Because if your brand is only emotional, then they might not believe it. Mm. And if it's only functional, then they won't bond with it or be loyal to it. So you want to strike the balance of both, both functional and emotional. Number seven is sharp edged. So it must entail a single sharp edged crisp promise. It should be ridiculously clear to customers what you do and do not promise. So when you focus on that specific benefit with everything that you do um, and, and everything that you say supporting that single idea, that's what makes it sharp edged mm-hmm. and therefore believable. Number eight is that your brand has teeth. So what I mean by that is that it's demonstrably true. It's not just a promise that you consider to be true, but it has to be something you could prove is true. Um, It has to offer compelling, granular, concrete proof that it will deliver on that promise. Mm -hmm. So not just true, but demonstrably true so that your customers will believe it and trust it and engage with it. And last But not least, number nine is that your brand delivers. It must be something, the brand promise that you make must be something that you can deliver on time and time again, consistently across everything you do from the big things to the small things, from the new customers to the loyal customers, that you are not just nailing the letter of the promise, but you're also nailing the spirit of the promise. So you deliver on what you say you're going to deliver on. Wow. What a clinic. (laughs) (laughs) That was a lot. But, uh, you know, you drove it home really nicely. And I I, I don't want to give a commercial for someone else, but someone I've introduced you to, while you were going through all of that, I was running – through my head, I mean, you've worked with and you're familiar with and done work with Clorox and Starbucks, and we could go through a few other brands. But somebody I introduced you to is Askinosi Chocolate. Mm, yeah. As you were going through <laughs> these, I'm thinking, well, wow, I think they hit all of these. You nailed it. I think they nailed it, Lindsay. You know, <laughs> um, bean to bar chocolate maker, they do direct trade. They're no child labor. You could go on and on and on. But that's what I was thinking about. What In my mind, I think, what is a practical application in addition to the ones you've already talked about? And it, to me, it's Askinosi chocolate. But um, that's kind of like what they call squirrel. I think, okay, off. I went off base. Um, <laughs> it's a, that's an amazing brand, and listeners should check it out. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful brand story, and it really does – it really does encapsulate all of these nine criteria, which is not easy to do. Which is not easy to do. So I think you said that right at the beginning of the show, and you said it prior. This isn't easy to do. I mean, this takes work, but that's why you have to buy the book, folks, and you got to go through all these. <laughs> and later, you got to buy it first. Okay, so I guess another brand that hits all these criteria, and you mention throughout the book, basically, but you talk about Volvo and how they position their brand. And there's three words that you use. Desire, decide, and delight. So maybe talk to me about Volvo in terms of the criteria and in terms of 
the words desire, decide, and delight. Talk to me about that. Yes. So desire, decide, and delight. And listeners, you might kind of um, hearken back to the idea of the, the funnel, the sales funnel or the customer funnel, or some people call it the customer journey, where which is kind of this chronological um, framework of um, where a customer lives in relation to your business. And in consumer packaged goods, which is where I spent most of my career, we use this idea that's it's kind of a simplified version of the funnel, um, the three moments of truth, mm-hmm. uh, which are desire when you spark desire among your target to, con- to to look into buying your product decide which is when you the moment when you convert them from being interested in it to being a customer and then delight which is after they have it they're so delighted by the delivery of your promise that they become loyal customers mm-hmm. who tell their friends about it and mm-hmm. create all sorts of goodness mm-hmm. and the um The reason I break it out this way um, and kind of apply this idea to brand is that um, it's really common for marketers and leaders across various disciplines to do only one or two of these three things. So, Mm. um, you know, they're really good at, say, advertising, which is which is where most of the desire objective lives. Um, But they don't delight their customer with how great their product is. Um, or they're really good at, they've got huge, you know, buy now buttons on their website and, um, they're really good at that conversion point, but they don't bring enough people into the funnel to begin with, with the desire step and, or they don't delight people enough so that they are loyal and evangelize your brand after the fact. So the idea is to give love to all of these Mm. stages and to imbue your brand um, throughout that instead of only thinking of it as a single layer. So I think about, okay, so say I'm a customer and I'm shopping for a car and I'm at a Volvo dealership, or I'm actually, I'm not at a Volvo dealership yet, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of considering the various car brands. Mm-hmm. And a friend um, says something like, did you hear that Volvo's the only car that survives XYZ crash tests, Mm -hmm. or I come across a photo of a family enjoying a safe drive in a Volvo. Those are things that are sparking desire in me, uh, the, the target customer, to look further into this brand. So that's that's what Volvo is doing with desire. Um, with Decide, that's when I'm at the Volvo dealership. And everything about the experience of the Volvo at the Volvo dealership is about safety. Safety is um, overtly and covertly part of what I'm experiencing when I'm evaluating whether to buy that car. For example, um, my Volvo dealership has a toy room in the dealership so that the kids can play safely while mom Mm. or dad is out looking at the cars. Mm. Um, Right. So the think think of that brand is not just the message of safety for Volvo. It's actually part of the design of the dealership that they're going to ensure that kids have a safe place to stay uh, and hang out and have fun. Um, 
So that's that's something that happens at the decide phase. And then delight is I'm experiencing the safety of the Volvo car. And this actually, this is a true story. This happened to my husband who owns a Volvo. Um, when there was something, something went wrong with the transmission and the Volvo dealership, um, because that was a safety threatening activity, they brought the car in and fix the problem for free. So this is years after the purchase. Wow. They're so con- they're they're so assiduously focused on safety that well after the purchase has taken taken place, they're ensuring safety and in the delight phase of the journey. So this becomes this virtuous cycle mm-hmm. when all of those points are adding up to and reinforcing safety. So people for whom safety is of utmost importance will come into the funnel for Volvo to begin with. Wow, that's clarity. They used all nine criteria. Um, yes, they sure did. They sure did. They, they nailed it. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I chose Volvo because I, I, I felt everybody could really grasp onto that and Gee, I'm, we should send this to Volvo. We could make a couple of bucks on this, I think, you know? <laughs> what do you think? Exactly. Okay. Uh, that's great. Again, uh, I hate to keep using the word clinic, but this definitely is. So, again, my guest is Lindsay Peterson. Her book is Forging an Ironclad Brand, a Leader's Guide. Everyone involved in marketing, leadership of company, any size should be getting this book and uh, listening to this, the two interviews over and over and over again. Let's wrap up. Uh, this interview by the way you wrapped up your book, part three of the book, you say, amplify your brand, amplify your brand. Give me a couple of stories from there, Lindsay. Yes, yes. So when I when I say amplify your brand, what I mean is, okay, now that we've got your your brand strategy defined and you used this uncommon denominator as a basis point now you expand on it and i literally mean expand on it by using the levers of the uncommon denominator framework so mm-hmm. um so a brief review of that so the 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 framework is a venn diagram that's the customer one circle is the customer desires one circle is competitive strengths, and one circle is our strengths, the co- our company's strengths. The uncommon denominator is the overlap of what the customer desires, what our company is good at, and what competitors are not good at. So once you've identified that, that, that space, that kind of real estate that lives in that wedge of the Venn diagram, you can make that a bigger wedge. You can make that a bigger space by um, increasing the size of the customer desires circle, by increasing how much the customer wants what you're good at bringing, by increasing your own strengths. So by getting better and better at this thing that you uniquely bring, that also increases the size of the uncommon denominator. And then lastly, by telling stories, Mm -hmm. which binds your company with your customer, you also move together those two circles. So when you, what's really the superpower of brand builders is when they're doing all three of these things. Mm -hmm. So they're deepening the love that their customers have for them at the same time as they're 
they're with humility and curiosity looking at their own business and and striving to be better and better at this thing that they promise to bring that customers want. And then using empathy um, through storytelling to make this feel increasingly um, relevant and vibrant to the customer. So storytelling, and, and it's funny because I say storytelling and I, I kind of, I have a little bit of a reaction to my, to that word because it's become such a buzzword, mm. um, of late, but that's kind of, it's kind of funny that storytelling is a buzzword because it's really as old as time. Sure. Um, right. it's the, it's the oldest thing. It's, it's the oldest thing about homo sapiens. It's actually what <laughs> has made our species what it is. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's the, the, uh, our ability and propensity to tell stories became the competitive advantage for Homo sapiens versus other human species because we could persuade other people to join our cause and it put the power into the collective rather than into the into the individual. So we could band together to kill bigger, you know, hunting game or to sail farther away or to engage in commerce and trade. So when we tell stories, there's actually something in our reptilian brain that loves to hear stories. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we, the, the whole exercise of defining your brand strategy is an exercise in defining what is the story of your business, what is the tension that you resolve um, for in your customer's life. When you put the customer, when you make the customer the star of that story, mm. you enable them to uh, resolve this this tension that they've been experiencing and you you get to kind of enable them through what you bring through what your business brings. So, um, when you do all of that, you're amplifying the presence of your company of, of your business in the mind of your customer. Well, you told a story about your husband and the Volvo. I think that had a big, big impact. And I pictured that and I saw that and I connected to Volvo through that story. So Lindsay, you would be happy to talk to folks who are interested in uh, learning more about what you do, correct? So what would be the website that they should follow you on? Yes, yes, absolutely, Marty. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you again. Um, So my book is Forging an Ironclad Brand, and that's available on Amazon, etc. And if listeners are interested, I have a free giveaway on my business's website, which is ironcladbrandstrategy.com. And it's a workbook that I adapted from the book Forging an Ironclad Brand. And it's a supplement to the book. So it's a step by step workbook guide of the ironclad method to building a brand strategy so there's a a tab on the website that'll say that or say resources what does it actually say that's right so if you go to ironcladbrandstrategy.com there's a tab for book and you can um you can download it right there i also have i blog pretty regularly so you can also sign up for my monthly newsletter mm-hmm. where i share i kind of talk about various provocative topics in brand and if this is interesting to folks i'd encourage you to join that as well well i've had a blast and i've learned a lot 
So as I said at the beginning, Lindsay Peterson is a brand strategist and leadership coach who views brand as a blend of science, intuition, behavior economics, behavioral economics, and ancient storytelling. You told some great stories today, Lindsay. Thanks again for being our guest on the Business Builder Show. Thank you, Marty. Thank you so much for listening to the Business Builder Show. To learn more about me, and I'm Marty Wolf, go to MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. That's MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. To learn more about Kelly Hoey, go to her website, which is jkellyhoey.co. That's jkellyhoey.co. And, of course, you can find Kelly and Marty on LinkedIn and Twitter. A reminder, you can find all our Business Builders shows on iTunes, Spotify, and on your favorite podcast app. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. 